From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are now in something like 450, uh, day 450 and counting of the outbreak in West Africa. If you go to the website, richardserrett.com, I've got a, um, a story posted there and a map that's kind of tracking the spread of the disease. And uh, it's linked to a story uh, talking about some rather dire predictions. Uh, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is preparing a worst-case scenario report on the West African Ebola outbreak. The disease could spread to over half a million people if no additional action is taken to contain it, according to early estimates. As of uh, Sunday, there were 5,300, sorry, 5,335, 5,335 probable, confirmed, and suspected cases of Ebola across Guinea, Liberia, Sierra Leone, Nigeria, and Senegal. Of those, 2,622 people have died, according to the World Health Organization. Uh, the CDC's report, which is scheduled to be released sometime this week, will estimate how many people the disease will infect by the end of January, assuming no additional aid or intervention by government and relief agencies occurs. Uh, the CDC is working on a dynamic modeling tool that allows for recalculations of projected Ebola cases over time, according to Barbara Reynolds, a spokeswoman for the agency. As emailed to Bloomberg, CDC expects to release these interactive, uh, this interactive tool in a, in a description of its use soon. Uh, the current projection, again, 550,000 cases, is currently being reviewed by researchers and may change. Uh, two people familiar with its contents who asked to remain anonymous because it isn't yet public, told Bloomberg. So again, worst case scenario, a half million Ebola infections. So, how was your weekend? We're going to be uh, talking about uh, the Centers for Disease Control in just a few moments when investigative reporter John Rappaport uh, joins us. Now, this guy is no slouch, folks. He was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize a founder of nomorefakenews.com. He's going to tell us about a whistleblower at the CDC who has admitted through his lawyer that he was essentially asked to lie, to emit data in a study on possible connections between vaccines and autism. And there's more. It doesn't end there. So John uh, Rappaport will join us in just a few moments. Before that, I just want to remind you again about The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, the TV program airing across Canada Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern on Vision TV. And we're now in syndication in the U.S. I believe season one is uh, now airing down in the U.S. in about 40 or 50 markets. I received an email from someone in Niagara Falls uh, last night who was watching the show on uh, one of the Buffalo stations. So check your local listings. And if your market in the U.S. isn't carrying the show, call the station and ask them why the heck not. Uh, season three across Canada in the meantime. And our next episode is about Jim Morrison, legendary lead singer of The Doors. And I'll examine the theory that the Lizard King may affect his own death back in Paris in July of 1971. And then, once you've watched the episode on Vision, head over to the website, theconspiracyshow.com. It's a great interactive website, and you can join the debate right there online. All right. John Rappaport has been all over this story of uh, Dr. William Thompson of the Atlanta-based CDC. And he recently, as I say, admitted in a statement released through his lawyer that he has uh, omitted vital data 
from a 2004 study on the MMR vaccine and its connection to autism and more. Just when, you know, we've been told uh, that that initial connection, that link between autism and the MMR vaccines was, was uh, unfounded, that there is no link. However, now we, uh, we have additional information from this whistleblower, Dr. William Thompson. Jonathan Rappaport is the author of three explosive collections, The Matrix Revealed, Exit from the Matrix, and Power Outside the Matrix. John was a candidate for a U.S. congressional seat in the 29th District of California. He maintains a consulting practice for private clients, the purpose, purpose of which is the expansion of personal creative power. He was, as I say, nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. He's worked as an investigative reporter for 30 years, writing articles on politics, medicine, and health for CBS, HealthWatch, LA Weekly, Spin Magazine, Stern, and other newspapers and magazines in the U.S. and Europe. He's delivered lectures and seminars on global politics, health, logic, and creative power to audiences around the world. And you can sign up for his free emails at www.nomorefakenews.com. John, welcome aboard. How are you? Oh, very good. Always good to be here with you. Great to have you with us. So tell us, who is this uh, William Thompson, Ph.D., exactly? Well, he's been working at the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, since 1998. He is a research scientist. He's not just a bureaucrat. And he was a co-author on a paper, uh, a very key journal paper in 2004, that was published in a prestigious journal called Pediatrics, and it was a case study of children having to do, as you say, with the MMR, measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, and whether or not there was any connection between the vaccine and autism. And the basic conclusion of the study was no, there is no real connection between the two. So then we flash ahead to 2013. Out of the blue, Thompson contacts a Ph.D. engineer named Brian Hooker, who has a child with autism, because Thompson has somehow become aware that Hooker is combing through CDC data to see if there is some connection between vaccines and autism. And apparently Hooker was quite surprised by this phone call and they began having regular conversations. And Thompson sent him a significant amount of raw data from that 2004 study, which Hooker analyzed. They spoke, and Hooker said, well, I found out that there is a set of children, uh, black American children, males under the age of three, who seem to have a very high risk, increased risk of autism, who got that vaccine. To which Thompson replied, oh, you found it. These were data that had been omitted from the study after they had been, uh, you know, researched by Thompson and his four other co-authors. And so phone calls continued and so on and so forth. And eventually 
Um, this story at this point gets a little bit cloudy as to whether or not Thompson ever wanted his name to be revealed. But revealed it was uh, sometime around August 23rd, 22nd, somewhere in there. Either by Brian Hooker or by Dr. Andrew Wakefield. We should we should point out uh, Andrew Wakefield was a physician in the UK. Uh, I believe his study his study goes back to about 1998, and he was uh, the one that made some of the earlier claims about the the link between the MMR vaccine and and the, that it might cause autism. And it was published in Lancet uh, back in the late 90s, and then there was a retraction. Uh, and uh, Wakefield was or attempts were made, at least, to discredit Wakefield. He was barred from practicing as a physician in the UK. I believe he now resides in, in, in Texas. Uh, and then we were told up and down that, that Wakefield's methodology was faulty, that the study was, was, was discredited, and that there is no link uh, between the MMR vaccine and autism. And, and Thompson's study, which he co-authored in 2004, said much the same thing, did it not? Yes. And... From everything that I can see, Thompson has profusely apologized to Wakefield for covering up the fraud that he was party to, he, Thompson, at the CDC for 10 years, sitting on that, because uh, in Thompson's view, which I think is correct, he could have exonerated Wakefield and said this man was on the right track. Well, this this uh, cluster uh, of... Um uh, young uh, African-American children that were discovered by this man. Was his name Hooker? Yes, Brian Hooker. So he found, Brian Hooker found this uh, a cluster uh, of, of African-American children who had an increased, uh, what, what exactly were his findings again? Just outline that, because this is important. About a 340% increased risk for autism. And of course, these were children who had received the MMR vaccine. That data, those data were omitted from the 2004 study. Thompson was a co-author on the study. How did this Brian Hooker find them? Do we, do we know? How do we... Because how did he... Thompson sent him all the raw data ah. as if, I don't know, you know, to test him or to see, you know, to sort of confess in a roundabout way because Thompson felt very guilty as he should and tremendous remorse for what he had done in covering up this and sitting on it for 10 years. You know, when you uh, give a free pass to a vaccine in a prestigious study and say it has no connection to autism, and you sit on that lie for 10 years, basically what you're doing is permitting all, you know, that vaccine to be used left and right everywhere, and to cause vaccine in children, uh, to cause autism in children, which Thompson was well aware of, you know, what he had done. Well, well how significant uh, was this omitted data? In other words, how large, I, I keep using the word cluster, and I don't know if that's the appropriate term. Yeah, I mean, that's useful. Well, let's put it this way. It would have significantly altered the finding and the conclusion of the study. The, the study would not have been able to then say, oh, no, there's no connection between the vaccine and autism. I mean, that data, 
those data were crucial. And by omitting them, it's kind of, you know, you just say, well, gee, look at this. Wow, there's a connection between the vaccine. You know, okay, let's forget that. <laughs> you know, now, let's look at all the other data. Oh, whoa, there's no connection between the vaccine and autism. Okay, this is what we publish, and we don't talk about this other stuff. All right, uh, John, hold on. We'll come back and we'll, con- we'll continue uh, to discuss uh, this whistleblower. Dr. William Thompson, or William Thompson, Ph.D., from the uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And this 2004 study on possible links between the MMR vaccine and autism, which came out and said there is no link. Now that's being called into question. Back with more here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't you dare go away. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. John Rappaport is with us, investigative reporter and uh, the founder of NoMoreFakeNews.com. You can sign up for his uh, free email uh, letter there at the website. And we're talking about uh, this whistleblower from the Atlanta-based Centers for Disease Control, uh, William Thompson, Ph.D. And this goes back to a 2004 study which was examining possible links between the MMR vaccine and autism. Uh, And you'll, of course, uh, remember the, the controversy uh, with Dr. Andrew Wakefield, who published a report in Lancet in England uh, back in the late 90s, which purported to find a link between autism and MMR, MMR vaccine. Uh, and that was later uh, retracted by Lancet. And Wakefield's work was wildly, widely rather discredited, or so we thought. Uh, now, be- before we get back to Thompson, uh, have you always, based on your, your research, uh, John, have you always held to to Wakefield's findings uh, even after you know the uh, after the attempts to discredit him have you always believed that there was this link oh yeah sure in fact uh, it, it's not just the MMR vaccine it's many vaccines given individually or together and now of course the vaccine schedule is just horrendously piled up you know with so many so many shots little babies and kids get, so on and so forth. And, um, you know, another issue, which we probably won't have time to get into, but there's a lot of fiddling that goes on at the government level with the labels of various diseases and disorders like autism, and then you have developmental delay, and there's, you know, so many different names and so forth given. But what we're really talking about is vaccines inducing brain damage, neurological damage. That's the bottom line here, no matter what you want to call it. So, yes, I've always seen that there is a connection, no question about it. Uh, Wakefield was one of those doctors who started to bring it out when he, you know, his career was destroyed. Other doctors have said the same thing. Other researchers have said the same thing. This is nothing new. 
But what's really new here is that we have an insider, a reputable scientist, who, as I'll explain, once his name was outed, then went on the record with a published statement three days or four days later on August 27th with his attorney, admitting that he had committed fraud in that study and that his co-authors, by implication, several of whom are now major executives at the CDC, also committed fraud, which opens up a gigantic can of worms. I mean, in the research community, an admission like this never, never happens. An author, respected researcher, in a government agency <clears throat> which is committed to claiming that vaccines are completely safe and effective, suddenly stands up and says, wait a minute, these questions are not resolved, and I and my co-authors committed fraud 10 years ago, and we've been lying about it ever since. Did he actually use those words, lying no, and fraud? No, but if you read between the lines in his public statement that's what he's saying he said we omitted vital data from the study we broke the protocol of the study what that latter phrase means is that we had decided to include all the data that we collected in making our conclusions but then we didn't do that we took out a set of data that led us thereby to a completely opposite conclusion. Now, was he only focusing on the 2004 study in which he co-authored re regarding autism and MMR? Yes, in his public statement. That's right. But has he hinted that there may have been other studies where data was likewise omitted? Oh, he's made, <laughs> he's made statements before he released the public statement, which have now been revealed... <laughs> Um, at YouTube in these private phone conversations that he was having with Brian Hooker and possibly Andrew Wakefield. Those are now dribbling out, and those statements that Thompson is making are much more devastating than what he released in his public statement. But he did, in fact, go on the record on August 27th by name through his attorney, Rick Morgan, and he did admit that he, you know, purposely omitted vital data in the study. So when something like this happens, and as I say, this never happens, so it's really explosive, you would expect several things immediately. There would be an internal investigation inside the CDC that would be publicly announced. You know, the CDC right. is very concerned, and we're doing a blah, 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 blah not happening, and the journal, Pediatrics, which published the study in 2004, would retract it, or would carry out a transparent investigation, at least, as to what really went on there. They have not done that. They have not consulted with Thompson. They have not gone to him and said, show us where you committed fraud. In fact, that journal, Pediatrics, has now publicly and officially refused to retract the study.
you know, whether or not uh, Thompson's statement is true, and you know, why would someone make a statement like that through his lawyer yeah, and go right. on the record? But let's assume for a moment, you know, that that it's it's questionable. Even if it's questionable, when when a researcher, a co-author of a study like this, comes out publicly and makes a statement, there should have been an uproar. There should have been, we should have, we should see stories in the New York Times. We should see absolutely. a story on 60 Minutes. But it's Page been one. silent. Yep, absolute silence. And and uh, I don't think I said this yet, but Thompson is still working at the CDC. <laughs> that is really bizarre. He hasn't been fired. He hasn't been suspended. Uh you know, they're hoping, apparently, at the CDC that all this is going to go away. And because they are a primary source for medical information for major media, media outlets all over the world, they understand at the CDC that these mainstream news outlets don't want to ruffle the feathers of the CDC, otherwise they will not have access to major sources of information about medical stories, which is exactly what's happening. Major media have blacked out this story. This is an, a huge scandal. It's true. I mean, regardless of what say, side of the... What Thompson is saying is questionable. Yeah, regardless of what side of the vaccine debate you're on, if you believe that vaccines are safe and effective, it doesn't matter. When you've got a researcher who makes a statement like this through his lawyer, that he yeah. omitted data on any any sort of study that came out of the CDC, this should this we must have major media attention paid. Now, have you called the CDC, John, and and uh, and asked about this? No, I haven't called them because uh, I've learned over the years that all you get is their public information office, which you know says. We're satisfied with the study and so forth because the CDC has released quietly a statement saying that they are satisfied with the study or that they're not planning to retract it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And Thompson, in his public statement, which was released on the 27th of August, is claiming that he is still on very good terms with his employer Everything is hunky-dory, no problem. He's still working there, etc., etc. I mean... That's very odd. Very odd. I mean, it's totally bizarre, you see. On the one hand, anybody with two brain cells to rub together realizes that he's accusing the CDC of blatant fraud because the researchers themselves don't decide... You know, okay, we're going to cover this up. Somebody is telling them to do this. Precisely. And that, that somebody has to be at the CDC. Well, did he hint in his statement, either his statement through his uh, attorney or in these private conversations with uh, Wakefield and, and Brian Hooker uh, that were released on YouTube, has he hinted at who may have given him the order to omit this data and why? No, but... <clears throat> but I know certain things, and other people do too. For example, a document has been released, not by Thompson, which is a letter that he wrote to the head of the CDC in 2004, Julie Gerberding, 
in advance of a major conference that was going to take place in a week on vaccines and autism. And in this letter, <clears throat> Thompson warned her. He said, I'm about to discuss and disclose at this meeting some troubling and sensitive data having to do with the study that we're talking about, the 2004 study on the MMR vaccine and autism. He was giving her a heads up. He was also telling her that the CDC was losing the PR war on vaccine safety among the American public and that she had to do something about this. So, A, his letter was ignored, and B, his appearance at that conference a week later was canceled. So one expects that Julie Gerberding, the head of the CDC, made sure that he w did not discuss the troubling and sensitive data because he wrote a letter to Hertz saying that's what he was going to do, and then he wasn't permitted to do it. Now, just to put a fantastic cap on this, and I hope the people out there have their brains screwed in real tight on this, Julie Gerberding, the head of the CDC, left her job there in 2009 and became the president of Merck Vaccines, which she is to this day. And Merck manufactures the MMR vaccine. Oh, but that's not a conflict of interest. <laughs> I mean, conflict of interest would be way too small to characterize that move. She holds two positions simultaneously? She's head no. of the CDC? or She, she left the CDC ah, in okay. 2009 okay. and shortly after became Can't. head of Merck Vaccine. Got it, okay. So one could look at this various ways. She got a reward from Merck for keeping her mouth shut about the connection between the vaccine and uh, autism and sitting on that and getting her authors there to exclude data that would have proven a connection. You know, you can go through all that and speculate, but regardless, the fact is that Thompson wrote her a letter 10 years ago warning her essentially, look, there's a connection between this vaccine and autism. That connection was covered up in the study. He wasn't allowed to make a presentation that would have revealed that connection. The lie was kept by all the authors for 10 years. Julie Gerberding, the head of the CDC, left her post. She went to Merck Vaccine. She became the president. And they just so happened to manufacture the very vaccine, MMR, which was covered up at the CDC for its uh, neurological damaging effects. I mean, is that a story or is that a story? Is that a... Uh, as you say, a New York Times page one story, 60 minutes, everybody climbs on board, explosive scandal at the CDC, vaccine cover-up, damage, autism, etc. Nothing. Absolutely friggin' nothing. Well, it certainly received a, a huge amount of attention, a page one coverage, uh, when, when Andrew Wakefield's story was retracted by Lancet, when he there found, you go. so there you why go. isn't the opposite to happen? There you go. <laughs> and now we see the reason why, obviously, because there's a vaccine establishment and they have to be protected. 
they are a protected species. And uh, the other side is the enemy. Now, uh, we're heading into a break here, but let me just throw this out quickly and, and we can start the conversation and come back to it if necessary. But um, the CDC has always said, in, in regards to autism and, and vaccines, uh, that you know one of the, 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 the ingredients that they've studied specifically is thimerosal, uh, which was sort of put out there as maybe one of the the, the, the causes of autism, this this preservative, thimerosal. And, and the CDC has said, listen, we remove thi- thimerosal to entirely or at least to trace amounts in all childhood vaccines going back to like 2001. Uh, is, is thimerosal still the suspect, or even trace amounts of thimerosal, still the suspect when we're talking about a possible link between the MMR vaccine and autism? You bet. Even though it's, Absolutely. Even though it's been removed or there are only trace amounts? <clears throat> well, I don't know that the, um, the quantity of... Mer- First of all, people have to understand, thimerosal is mercury, a known, potent neurotoxin. Everybody understands that. And injecting it directly into the body, as opposed to, say, eating it in fish, where people are warned, you know, don't eat fish that have mercury in it, you know. But injecting into the body of a baby, that's okay. Or a pregnant woman, okay. So I don't know that the amount has been reduced, but there are still vaccines, flu vaccines, that contain mercury that are used in the United States. And there are vaccines that are used all over the world, outside the U.S., all sorts of vaccines that still contain mercury. All right, we'll come back with our conversation with John Rappaport, investigative reporter, No More Fake News, as we talk about what should be a huge story, and yet it's not being covered. A CDC whistleblower says vital data was omitted from a story he co-authored, or from a study he co-authored, on possible links between the MMR vaccine and autism. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. John Rappaport is with us. Investigative reporter, no nomorefakenews.com, no nomorefakenews.com. Dr. Or, uh, uh, William Thompson, a researcher at the uh, Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta, a whistleblower uh, who admitted through a statement uh, published uh, through his attorney that vital data was omitted from a 2004 study in which, which he co-authored on uh, possible links between MMR, the MMR vaccine, uh, and autism. Uh, this must be huge uh, vindication from uh, the various uh, autism organizations. How are they reacting? Well, they have reacted with tremendous um, energy. Uh, There has been talk of a class action lawsuit being formed up against the CDC. Uh, According to a good source of mine, uh, that community of parents of autistic children has come together as never before. So... There is tremendous energy among them to get the word out on this scandal since the major media are not reporting it. And I can say personally that in the 12 years that I've had my, uh, you know, I've been publishing at No More Fake News, that 
no story has garnered more attention than this one. Uh, so, and all over the internet, you know, you'll find stories about this. But, you see, Thompson goes, we were talking about mercury and vaccines. One of the audio conversations with Thompson that was released recently, uh, we don't know when the conversation actually took place, but could be sometime in uh, 2013, between him and either Brian Hooker or Dr. Wakefield, we find Thompson saying very forcefully, I would never give a vaccine containing mercury to a pregnant woman. That's absurd, insane. And he follows that up by saying, in sort of scientist speak, that right now there is biological plausibility for asserting that mercury in vaccines causes autism. Now, this was not in his public written statement that he made on August 27th. And if he knew that this phone call was going to be released, he might have, uh, you know, thrown a fit. I don't know. But it's out there now. And I transcribed part of it and put it in a piece that I wrote the other day just to show you that in private conversation, Thompson has gone much further than he did in his written statement. How do you feel about William Thompson? Uh, I mean, the same sort of questions arose with with Edward Snowden. Uh, on the one hand, you know, at least he admitted to it. But on the other hand, in this case, he withheld this information 10 years. Is this guy a hero or should he be prosecuted? How do you feel about him? Well, I certainly wouldn't put him in the realm of being a hero. That's for sure. I mean, he's lied along with his co-authors, along with everybody else at the CDC. He concealed what he knew for 10 years. He allowed, as he well knows, vaccine damage to spread because people assumed the vaccine was safe when it wasn't and isn't. It's happening right now. So certainly not a hero in my book, that's for sure. And in a sense, he's an unwilling whistleblower because were it not for the fact that he was outed, we don't really know whether he would ever have released a public statement through his lawyer admitting to fraud. We don't know. Uh, what I am led to believe and understand is that he was a very confused man, full of remorse wanting to go public, afraid to go public, you know, back and forth, back and forth, saying to the people that he was talking to on the phone that he was going to reveal his name, that he wasn't, that he was, that he wasn't. And finally, you know, somebody got fed up and said, enough is enough. I'm going to out the guy. Here's his name, William Thompson. At that point, Thompson made a public statement. And in it, you know, in, again, science speak, he is admitting to gross fraud, malfeasance, doing damage. And so I, I don't see him in, in any particular heroic light. And in fact, and this is very important because 
there are people now in the autism community who feel, okay, all this is heading toward a congressional hearing. We're going to have a congressional hearing, and Thompson is going to testify. Well, maybe we're going to have a hearing, and maybe Thompson will testify. And if he does, what do you expect him to say? With what kind of bold conviction? With what kind of convincing clarity? Or is he simply going to say, well, look, you know, uh, as he did in his public statement, reasonable scientists can disagree and agree on certain matters of blah, 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 blah. And then the whole thing is a dud. Whereas we know from his private conversations, which were recorded, that he's much more bold and assertive and convincing. So which William Thompson would show up at a congressional hearing? I don't put a lot of stock in, uh, you know, a great outcome from a congressional hearing. We've had those before uh, on vaccines, and they haven't really made any significant difference as far as reforming government policy is concerned. All right, uh, we'll take a time out when we'll come back. Um, let's discuss the possibility that William Thompson uh, is being kept very close uh, to uh, the, maybe the people that he's accused at the CDC. Uh, he's being very he's being kept there very close so that they can keep an eye on him, or perhaps even much worse. What is what is the possibility that William Thompson's life? might be in jeopardy. Back with more of my conversation with John Rappaport. No more fake news.com right here on The Conspiracy Show. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, John Rappaport stays with us as we discuss uh, whistleblower William Thompson, Ph.D. A researcher at the Centers for Disease Control, who uh, has admitted through his attorney that he omitted vital data in a 2004 study, a 2004 study examining possible links between the MMR vaccine and autism. Uh, just when we all thought that that issue had been put to bed after Dr. Andrew Wakefield's study, originally published in Lancet magazine on this very same issue, was retracted by uh, the journal Lancet. So, um, now, John, I wanted to ask you, uh, just sort of looking at the the opposing views in this issue, because we have to try and examine it from all sides. And there's uh, someone who writes at Science Based Magazine, a David Gorski. Uh, who says that this study uh, or the the omitted data what, what we're talking about is a is a very small sample and it's not going to have a necessarily an impact on the overall findings so that the 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 study of these uh, um, African American children uh, who had I've heard anywhere from 240% higher uh, risk of, of getting autism uh, to, I, I think, 360%. Uh, he says it's a, it, it, the sample was too small and the methodology used was likely to produce false positives. So, I mean, do we know for sure that this omitted data wasn't omitted because of that fact, that it was too small a sample and the methodology was faulty. In other words, the study still stands. 
Uh, I don't think there's any question about it. First of all, that's the wrong end of the telescope to look through. You know, somebody is coming in after the fact and saying, well, I've looked at the same data and this is my conclusion. Well, why is the author then so worked up about this, Thompson? Good point. <laughs> I mean, he Good was point. there. He's the research scientist who omitted the data along with his co-authors, and he's admitting that it was fraud and that it was dangerous fraud that he committed, and he's very remorseful about it. He doesn't think that that, quote, small set of data was insignificant, nor does he think that it was omitted for any good reason because the methodology, uh, you know, wasn't uh, correctly applied or something like that. Um, he thinks, Thompson, that it's very important. So we need to hear from him in detail because, you know, after 10 years, if Thompson thought, well, you know, so what? We omitted some data. It wasn't very important. You can hear him on audio being extremely uh, anguished and remorseful on these phone calls of the damage that he believes that he thereby inflicted from lying in this key study in 2004. And, and we know so for let's hear from him. Sure. And, 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 we, and, and this is this a uh, an actual phone conversation between Dr. Andrew Wakefield and Thompson, or is it an exchange of texts? What is it? No, it's we're talking about audio here. Audio. Um, at the Autism Media Channel, YouTube, and sometimes at a website called Age of Autism, you will see uh, videos, well, they're YouTube videos, but they're really audio of phone calls posted, and you can listen to them. And you'll see from listening to Thompson how he sounds and what he's saying. And as I just pointed out in the last segment, he's gone a lot farther in his phone call conversation than in his published statement of remorse. He's saying you'd have to be insane to give a vaccine with mercury to a pregnant woman, and there is sufficient evidence at this point to conclude that vaccines in uh, containing mercury do, in fact, call, cause autism. So, you know, people can spin this any way they want to. But here we have a guy, and yes, I agree with your uh comments a few minutes ago that we could be looking at a situation where this guy is in grave danger and he's made some kind of a deal with the CDC to A, retain his job, B, get his pension when he retires fairly soon, and C, avoid grievous harm and possibly death. Who knows? Whistleblowers have been killed before and you know, attributed their deaths attributed to, you know, some other cause. So when he says, oh, everything is great, it's wonderful, you know, this can be, uh, you know, a prisoner talking from his jail cell. We don't know for sure, but based on my experience of 30 years as a reporter, and I have written about this, this guy remains in danger, regardless of what he says or anybody else says. This is a very dangerous situation for him because 
he has, I believe, the capacity to turn the entire CDC upside down and to show that they have been lying not just in this one study, but in many other studies that he wrote himself, other co-authors who lied with him in 2004 lied in other studies about vaccines, that the entire establishment there at the CDC is a criminal establishment. And if he does have enough conviction, knowledge, insight to make that kind of charge publicly, then, you know, of course he's in danger all the time from now till, you know, the rest of his life. Does a congressional, would a congressional hearing have the power to subpoena an official at the CDC? Yes, it would. And also to put that person under oath. Now, sometimes the CDC is in the executive branch, and of course the hearing would be in the legislative branch in Congress. There have been occasions, and people can possibly remember them recently, when people in the executive branch just simply refuse to show up. And then there's a hassle back and forth and back and forth, and maybe they eventually show up, maybe they don't. So who knows what the response would be. These people at the CDC are very arrogant. I know that from personal experience. Throughout the medical establishment, you find this kind of, you know, extreme arrogance. So it's possible that, you know, there would be an attempt to refuse. But, yes, they can be subpoenaed, and when they show up, they're put under oath. So Julie Gerberding could be called back. The current head of the CDC could be called in. The rest of the researchers on that 2004 study, other researchers who have been, who have written uh, fraudulent studies about which I have other knowledge we haven't had a chance to talk about, sure, they could all be brought in. But I know how these people handle things like that. They say, look, what you're looking at here is an honest disagreement. Sure, this happens from time to time. We and Dr. Thompson were looking at the same data. All right, so we've had a disagreement about it, but we're confident, all four of us, other co-authors, that we did the right thing, <clears throat> and we reached the correct conclusion. Now, if he chooses to disagree, of course, that's his right, blah, 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 and then it can become a non-story. Have you talked to uh, Dr. Andrew Wakefield since this story broke? No. Uh, I was on the same show that he was. We didn't actually talk to each other. We were both being interviewed at the same time. I know that he wants a congressional hearing. I understand that. And I also know that he feels exonerated. And I know because I've seen the text, as other people have, of uh, that went back and forth between him and Thompson. Thompson profusely apologized to Wakefield, and Wakefield accepted his apology without any, quote, bitterness. And, you know, so I understand a few things about Thompson's, I mean, uh, Wakefield's reaction to all this. But what these people don't understand, you see, because they're scientists, is that if you want to keep a story alive, 
you have to do things to make that happen. You can't sit around and wait. And you can't let things out a little bit here, a little bit there. There are thousands of pages of raw data about vaccines. We don't know what they contain, but they were sent by Thompson to Brian Hooker, possibly to Wakefield, to Congressman Bill Posey of Florida, who has them now and his staff are going through them. Why Bill Posey? Because Posey has uh, come out questioning the safety of vaccines before. Okay, so there is a friend on Capitol Hill. There is a friend on... I've talked to people in his office. Okay. Um, Release all that data now. Stop waiting around. Just put it all out there online. Is it 10,000 pages, 20,000, whatever it is? Let's see what it is. Let's have a lot of eyeballs on it. Let's get a debate going. Let's not wait and wait and hope we're going to get a hearing in Congress and this and that. If the story is not kept alive, it's going to die. Not just in the mainstream press where it's already dead because it never was covered, but even alternative news sites are going to stop covering it because there's nothing new to report. Why should they continue to go over it and over it? But unfortunately, people like Brian Hooker and Wakefield don't understand this part of the deal. Stories have an asymmetric life of their own. Once they catch on, they can blaze up, they can go out suddenly, they can gather strength and spread, but you have to feed new data into the, you know, the world of the Internet in order to keep this alive. Well, you certainly have been doing your part, John. You've been hammering yeah. away at this story for quite some time. What's next for you? What, how, how are you going to uh, uh, further the story? Well, I'm writing a piece right now about some of the things that we're talking about here in the last few minutes. And I'm also looking, for example, into why Thompson has retained an attorney, Rick Morgan, who is quite well known for filing certain kinds of whistleblower actions. Uh, they're called Quitam, in which the whistleblower stands to make a tremendous amount of money if it can be proven that government funds were wasted. And uh, this, you know, is a practice in America, and it's been done on many occasions, and billions of dollars have been paid out to whistleblowers or recovered for the government. But in this case, you see, we're not talking about a private employee of a company that has a government contract we're talking about a government employee at a government agency and that status of whistleblower is much more vague and cloudy and debated in the courts than the traditional whistleblower situation so i'm very curious about why thompson has retained this particular attorney that is interesting what does he hope to gain from it would the manufacturers of the mmr vaccine be uh, uh protected uh from a class action lawsuit if this ever came to light that this was true hmm. i think they would be but now that you bring that up merck they are right now subject to another whistleblower lawsuit from a former employee, two former employees of Merck, for another reason. 
that has to do with the MMR vaccine, that has to do with uh, Merck lying about how effective it is. When these whistleblowers claim that Merck knew all along and still knows that it's not very effective at all. And that suit has just been green-lighted by a judge to move forward. So Merck could be torpedoed on that score. Although we know how these things often play out. They, they, they're willing, they're able to pay sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars in out-of-court settlements so that these things never get to trial, and that's just the cost of doing business for them. Yes. In this case, however, the whistleblower suit would assess the amount of damage that the done to the government because the government has bought all these vaccines in good faith thinking that they were very effective and then you would triple that damage and that would be the award okay so but yes you're right i mean merck would be willing to pay out a billion dollars without blinking an eye john gotta run Uh, Listen, thank you for all the work you're doing. NoMoreFakeNews.com. Always a pleasure, John. Thank you, Richard. It's been great. John Rappaport. My thanks to Tim Spreen and Albert Vinzel, our uh, intern on the program. Thanks, Albert. Good to have you aboard. Back next week with Debbie Papadakis. We'll perform another past life regression live on the air. She'll be part of our Follow the Truth uh, Summit as well. Back next week. Hope you'll be with me. Good night.